1: Welcome to hour number two the morning after live right here on this Thursday on Sports Grid Sirius XM channel 159 it's the home for Sports Grid radio on Sirius XM all across the Sports Grid network as well I am Ben Stevens thank you for joining us here on this Thursday a big Thursday as all of them are in the world of sports Thursday night football starts off the second half of this NFL regular season week number 10 begins in Carolina tonight, between the Panthers and the Falcons, and NFC South showdown where the Falcons are a two and a half point favorite. Also on this Thursday, Major League Baseball's free agency starts. The hot stove certainly heats up. We play Mock Odds Maker up next to look at some of the biggest names and some of the teams we expect to be most active during these winter months but we start off hour number two with the collegiate capsule shout out our producer john shames a man that is big on his alliteration and we appreciate that here on tma last night not the most robust night for night number three of college basketball but a few teams and a few names and faces you remember in different places shaheen holloway the head coach now at seton hall his alma mater was the head man St. Peter's last year and of course last March as the Peacocks made that magical run becoming the first ever 15 seed to reach the elite eight he is now over in New Jersey well he was always in New Jersey but from Jersey City more so to the Newark area where Seton Hall plays their basketball games at the Rock last night hosting Monmouth for an in-state showdown in Shaheen Holloway's debut at the helm of the seton hall Hallball program and a really good debut for seton hall and shaheen holloway last night the pirates covering against the monmouth team as a 19 and a half point favorite again that first game for shaheen holloway at the helm of seton hall as the pirates looked really good and he brought over a ton of talent with him by the way to Seton Hall. Of course, Seton Hall is in South Orange, New Jersey. They just play their basketball in Newark. I just want to make sure we have that correction here. Seton Hall with the victory last night over Monmouth, 79-52. So a 27-point victory, covering as a 19.5-point favorite. We showed you those Big East Conference odds yesterday. Just a reminder, Seton Hall, middle of the pack. Sixth best price to win the conference title outright. They were 30-1 to before this year got underway from the big east where every team by the way all 10 in the conference maybe 11 now but every team in the big east has started off with a win this season the big east did that the big 10 did that some of the conferences across college basketball not the case necessarily at least yet in the sec vandy the only team in the sec to start off this year with a loss lsu Beginning their season with a victory last night against the Ruse from UMKC, we told you yesterday it was part of the best bet that the Bayou Bengals were the sixth best, most efficient defense in all of college basketball a season ago. They do not cover as a 22 and a half point favorite yesterday against UMKC, only winning by 11, but 74-63. The quick math there: carry the seven, 137 for a final combined score. And the total closed at 137 and a half. The best bet gave it out to you at 138 in a hook. And it stays under. LSU in a non-conference a season ago. 14 games. 11 of them hitting the under. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after live on this Thursday. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. So, LSU, the sixth most efficient defense in all of college basketball last year, looks that part yesterday, at least keeping the game under against UMKC. But in the midweek portion of where we are right now on the college sports landscape, it's not just college basketball, it's midweek action, baby. Three games on a Tuesday night. Three games yesterday on a Wednesday as well. We're getting into the final three weeks of this college football season. Of course, we gave you our thoughts on the second set of the college football playoff rankings where some of those Power 5 programs and conferences stack up here in the final month of this regular season. But still very important implications in the Mac as well. Bowling Green was a team that entered this year with a win total at three and a half. They have already gone over that in fact they've gone over that just in conference play they've won four mac games and they had an opportunity out in the east division to continue to make up ground on the ohio bobcats didn't go the way for bowling green last night hosting kent state and the golden flash is still booked as a two and a half point favorite and kent state makes quick work against bowling green yesterday covering easily as a two and a half point favorite winning big 40 to six the total of 55 and a half still staying under marquez cooper a top 15 running back in the country does stay under his rushing yards prop though for the second time in six mac games it was at 134 and a half he only finished with 93 so the east division in the mac controlled by ohio they have won five straight games they are five and one in the conference out west it's toledo who is also five and one those two teams seem to be on a collision course to the MAC championship that's the first Saturday in December again just three weeks left of this regular season in college football every game has that pressure amped up every game is that much more meaningful we come back here on the morning after in just a couple of minutes because we have to look at the hot stove that begins to heat up today in major league baseball free agency starts today we break it all down next the hot stove is on fire today in major league baseball the free agency frenzy across the bigs begins on this thursday welcome back to a thursday live right here on the morning after on sports grid i am ben stevens peter rappel from just baseball media joins us live right here on tma as well peter was here just a few weeks ago to help us look at postseason action the World Series championship taken by the Houston Astros. And Peter, now our attention turns to the winter months and free agency starting. How juiced up are you for the free agency frenzy to start today?
2: Is it bad that I almost like the offseason a little bit more than the rush of the regular season? Because with so many games happening all the time, you don't get to sit back and really analyze some things. So I'm incredibly excited for the hot stove.
1: I feel like that's the case for a lot of sports right now professional college the offseason with all the movement we see and how quickly it all moves is very very enticing and the drama is something we always love the biggest free agent in the pool right now the man that set the American League record for the most home runs in a single season Aaron Judge bet on himself this year in pinstripes hit 62 homers. And here we are, Peter, on the brink of free agency beginning. And GM Brian Cashman for the New York Yankees spoke about this very idea. I want to read the quote for you to put this all into context. He said, and I quote, Optimally, if you could wave a magic wand, we would secure Aaron Judge and retain him and have him signed and happy in the fold as soon as possible. He's a free agent. He's earned the right to be a free agent, so he'll dictate the dance steps. What dance do you think the Yankees and Aaron Judge, Peter, are doing at this moment?
2: Well, at this current moment, I don't think they want to, I guess, tamper with each other. There was another quote at the GM meetings where um, Brian Cashman was asked by the media, have you spoken with Aaron Judge's camp? And he just gives a little smile and says, no comment. So I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. They don't want to put everything out in the media. I'm sure they want to keep a lot of these negotiations quiet. They don't want specific figures to get out to the rest of the teams in order to get bid against. So I'm sure they're keeping it as quiet as possible. But it's clear at this point, he's have to re-sign Aaron Judge. And if I was a betting man, I would put Aaron Judge back on the Yankees for an enormous contract.
1: I'm glad you bring that up. Because our associate producer, Joe Frizo played mock odds maker for us yesterday and put prices on teams, Aaron Judge's most likely destination at the end of this free agent cycle. And the Yankees are the odds on favorites at minus 150. one are not trying to publicize monetary figures at this moment. But of course, entering last year, Aaron Judge famously turned down a seven-year, $213 million contract. So- the Yankees are the betting favorites. I say that in quotes because these are all mock odds, Peter. But if you had to guess, what does the money look like to keep Aaron Judge in pinstripes?
2: So Bryce Harper signed that 13 year contract around $27 million AAV. But it doesn't you can't really match those up because Aaron Judge is now 30 years old. Timing of when they signed completely different. Mike Trout, too, except he got around $37 million. I think at this current, we will see Aaron Judge eclipse what Mike Trout got on a yearly basis. If you look at Aaron Judge compared to the rest of players in Major League Baseball, since 2019, he is number one in Fangraph's war, and it's not even all that close. Number two is Trey Turner, who is also a free agent. He finishes since 2019 with 20.0. Next is, I think, Mookie Betts at 19.6. Aaron Judge is at 22.3. Aaron Judge just had an historic offensive season, but that doesn't even really talk about the fact that he has established himself as one of the better defensive right fielders. And how about the fact that he twice his last year? Aaron Judge gets a lot of shine for offensive output, but really he has matured into one of the best all-around players in the game. And since 2019, the numbers would say he is. The best player in major league baseball maybe outside of shohei ohtani
1: so peter back to the mock odds if it is not new york where might be that second most likely destination for aaron judge to land
2: so i think the giants have been floated a lot and it would be reflected in those odds there but a team that i am definitely not counting out is the los angeles dodgers and when I was looking at you know how the Dodgers' full lineup is going to stack up next year, I noticed a hole, and that hole is in the outfield. They have Mookie Betts in right field. They have Cody Bellinger, who's due to be a free agent after this year. But then in left field, they have Trace Thompson. Chris Taylor is a guy who kind of has looked a little bit like a shell of himself. If they don't re-sign Trey Turner, they're going to have money to spend on a big time shortstop – it might be the best player on the free agent market in aaron judge
1: a couple of big time shortstops also available during this free agency cycle trey turner certainly a name to keep an eye on carlos correa who opted out of his contract with minnesota which was virtually a one-year deal also a free agent dansby swanson from the braves and xander bogarts as well so when you look at these big names at that vital position playing shortstop peter or a couple of teams or maybe one specific team you are keeping an eye on to be the most active during this hot stove session
2: oh there's a lot of teams that make sense for these guys I'll just kind of go through so Trey Turner I do think that the Dodgers will ultimately re-sign him but don't count out the St. Louis Cardinals now the Cardinals are not a team that's Often in these kind of discussions for the big, big big-time free agents, they often trade for him like they did for Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado. But Trey Turner plays St. Louis Cardinals baseball. He's fast, hits for power, does a lot of different things. He's he's a dynamic player. So look out for the Cardinals there. On the Carlos Correa sweepstakes, I think he makes the most sense in Philadelphia with the Phillies. You can stop to second. And they need defense, right? And there's stops better than Carlos Correa on defense. Xander Bogarts, I think that the Baltimore Orioles is a team to watch out for. You can move their Mm. young phenom Gunnar Henderson over to third base, play Xander Bogarts, and while Xander Bogarts is, of course, getting to that 30-years-old threshold, you could possibly move him to third as he ages and then put Gunnar at short. Dansby, I have a hard time seeing him leave the Atlanta Braves, but another team to watch out for in the DeWanson sweepstakes is the Seattle Mariners. Um, I know that they could possibly move J.P. Crawford over to second base, but having Dansby Swanson in Seattle, that veteran presence who's been there before, I like that one a lot.
1: Some big arms also potentially available. We start – with, of course, Jacob DeGrom. That will be our focus here in just a second, Peter. But Justin Verlander, of course, of the World Series winning Astros, picking up his first ever World Series victory in game number five, probably going to win the American League Cy Young as well. And Clayton Kershaw, who has played with the Dodgers the entirety of his career. But let's go to Jacob DeGrom. Do you actually believe, Peter, Jacob DeGrom will not be a New York Met next season?
2: I can't believe it. It's one of those guys where I think Steve Cohen is going to say, "Jacob Degrom, we will give you whatever you want." He did it with Edwin Diaz; he gave him a contract that was fourteen million more than the next highest ever, which was for Roldis Chapman. I think they're going to open up the the floodgates and say, "Degrom, we're going to give you two hundred million over five years or or something absurd like that." Can't seem leaving the Mets.
1: Yeah, when you look at that Edwin Diaz deal, one of the best closers in all of Major League Baseball, and Steve Cohen, who certainly has the money, paid him as such. Peter, a great breakdown as we get ready for the hot stove to start today. One final question for you quickly here. Only 30 seconds left. Is Clayton Kershaw, is his time in LA coming to an end as well?
2: Definitely keep an eye on the Rangers. Um, they have been interested in him a ton, but don't also, kind of a sleeper team, nobody's talking about. The Rays signed Corey Kluber to a one-year deal. Could they look at a guy like Clayton Kershaw and want to bring him in?
1: Peter Rapel from Just Baseball Media. A busy day ahead as the hot stove heats up in Major League Baseball. Peter, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thanks so much, Ben.
1: It was fun playing mock odds makers to see what's going to happen here in free agency. We go to college football up next.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Only three weeks left in this college football regular season. Here now in the final month of the regular campaign in November, every game adds on that pressure as teams make a run to a conference championship appearance potentially. And of course, hoping for a spot in the college football playoff. Thank you for joining us here live on this Thursday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Some more CFP conversations and a prediction coming your way for this weekend week number 11 of college football with our guy the mastermind of the college football pigskin Joe Lisi joins us here on this Thursday on the morning after Joe only three weeks left of this college football regular season games this weekend are going to be a fascinating case study all around the country that will have those implication on the odds and the rankings how excited are you
3: Oh, very. I mean, I mean, the games this weekend, believe it or not, Ben, if you look at the slate, are really good. I mean, you know, Pac-12 has great battles taking place, some great battles in the ACC, and they're really going to dictate not just conference races, but obviously which teams potentially could crack the college football playoffs. So there are a lot of teams still alive heading into week number 11. And at the end of the day, this is what it's all about. It comes down to the final three weeks of the regular season.
1: So, Joe, I shared my thoughts about the College Football Playoff Committee's second set of rankings this year. Yesterday, we got our reactions to that. We had a wonderfully tangy time with Kevin Walsh in the opening hour for my top 10 that we will all discuss on Saturday on College Football Today. But let's look at the CFP rankings here, entering this third-to-last weekend of college football action. Joe, I didn't have a big issue with it. Georgia won, Ohio State two michigan three tcu four tennessee five oregon six when you looked at the rankings joe as they were unveiled on tuesday what was your main takeaway
3: well for me i mean outside the top five because that's the way we thought it would go right tennessee we thought wouldn't be in the top four based off the performance last week in athens but the pac 12 is alive in terms of six And number eight with Oregon and USC, respectively, and number 12, UCLA. I mean, they have major life heading into week number 11. Now, Oregon has a battle against... The University of Washington this coming weekend, USC does battle UCLA in week number 12, so really will clear the road. But but they have major life, and, and they're not out of it. I mean, if you're looking at some major odds in terms of teams that can not no, only, excuse me, crack the top four, but potentially maybe be a Cinderella type of season, you got to look to the Pac-12. Teams like yep. UCLA still major value. It's it, it very, very interesting here entering this coming weekend
1: absolutely so three pack 12 teams in the top 12 and three of the eight best prices on the FanDuel Sportsbook to reach the college football playoff led off by Oregon Oregon a 13 and a half point favorite in a top 25 tilt of sorts against Washington in Autzen in Eugene this upcoming Saturday Joe Oregon is a one loss team their only loss to Georgia the opening weekend of that year yes by 46 points but just the opening Saturday of this college football season. Tennessee, Joe, also a one-loss team, the only loss for the Vols against Georgia on the road in Athens this past Saturday. Joe, the odds would say Tennessee has a much better chance of making the college football playoff. The Volunteers minus 250 to get into the CFP. Oregon, on the outside, looking in at the moment, according to that price, at plus 240. Joe, as you evaluate... These one loss teams with a loss against a common opponent. Who do you think has a better chance of reaching the college football playoff?
3: Well, out of both of those teams, I would say Tennessee, because they're not going to play in an sec championship game. Most likely right. Barring an absolute, you know, meltdown by the Georgia Bulldogs in the last three weekends, they're not gonna play against the SEC West opponent. So you look at Oregon, they're up against it. I mean, Oregon's gotta play this week, uh Washington. They play Utah and then potentially UCLA and USC or whoever's standing in terms of the second number team in, in the Pac-12, that's a gauntlet for the Oregon Ducks over the last four weeks of the regular season. The fact that Tennessee right. could just play out and then just be a one lost team sitting back and waiting, they have the inside edge out of, out of both of those teams, Ben.
1: It is really interesting, right? It's a fascinating conversation in a way to look at it. Is Oregon in a better spot because the Ducks control their own destiny because they can play in their conference championship game and win that title, which would mean a ton? to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee? Or are the volunteers in a slightly better position because they just have to hope Georgia wins the SEC title and then they look pretty good as a one-loss team as well? A team that has no losses, the TCU Hornfrogs, Frogs, ranked fourth in the country entering a huge matchup, Austin at night on Saturday. A top 20 tilt against number 18 Texas, Joe. And despite TCU being unbeaten, in its overall record, and the only unbeaten side in the Big 12, the Horned Frogs, Joe, a seven-and-a-half-point road underdog. What does that north-of-touchdown spread say to you about this matchup?
3: Well, it could be that, you know, you have public money coming in on the Longhorns or sharp money based off that performance last week in Manhattan. Or it could just be the books establishing a line to maybe suck people in. And, and it might be you might look at it and say, OK, it's going to get TCU money. But maybe they suck people in because they're putting it up over a touchdown to have people think, hey, why is Texas so much, so highly favored in this ballgame? Maybe, maybe they get longhorn money. So here's the thing. I'm not going to be betting this game because I was on Texas last week. They jump out to a big lead. They hold on. We know that TCU traditionally plays Texas very tough beat them the last two out of three years, and and they only lost by five last year in Fort Worth, and Max Duggan has owned the Texas Longhorns. On paper, I think I'd go with TCU right now. I think even if they don't win, they keep it well within a touchdown in this matchup.
1: A couple of angles to look at. Texas is a great first-half team. Steve Sarkeesian cannot get his guys to cover numbers late. Teams are always live in the second half. And finally, CFP Selection Committee Chairman Boo Corrigan highlighted and praised TCU for their resilience this year. The Horn Frogs have been a great, great second half team. And right now, Joe, TCU is the odds on favorite. Slight minus money at minus 105 to win the Big 12 title. But Texas has the second best price trying to qualify for that Big 12 championship game. Joe, if TCU is going to remain the favorite when we wake up on Sunday morning following what happens in Austin on Saturday night. How do the Horned Frogs get that done?
3: the running game. And if you watch the last two out of three meetings when Texas won last year, it was due to B. John Robinson and the rushing attack, right? The previous two years, it was the mobility of Max Duggan outside the pocket, the ability to run the RPO game on the front seven of Texas, sustain drives, and keep that explosive offense on the sidelines. That's going to be the recipe on the road in Austin. If TCU has effectiveness running the football, I think they're well within this number. They control game tempo, and they win this ball game going away i have more confidence in tcu they're more battle tested than i do the texas longhorns even though they're playing at home
1: i've said it all week long tcu money line this is a preseason price that continues to favor texas in the market and i believe undervaluing the horn frogs joe lisi did not undervalue the bayou Bengals last week saturday night in death valley against alabama joe was on this show at this time last week and said lsu not just covering 13 and a half but winning outright and Joe Lisi was spot on now LSU Joe even deeper into the top 10 controlling its own path to an SEC championship game out of the West division how do they show that resolve how do they keep the momentum going this Saturday in Fayetteville against Arkansas Joe LSU is a three point favorite what do you expect out of Brian Kelly in the Bayou Bengals on
3: Saturday I expect they grind out another victory. Now, the numbers suggest a potential letdown. Arkansas is potentially ripe from the ATS perspective. The last two games have been decided by a total of six points. This game went into overtime last year. They won 16-13. to and That was with Nussmeier at the helm for LSU, not obviously Jaden Daniels. And K.J. Jefferson potentially is banged up in this matchup. That means Hornsby, the backup, will go. That's a lot of inexperience in terms of the passing game. Uh, ben, I like Jaden Daniels. I like the physicality of LSU's offense and defense lines. Let's not forget, last three games, they're showing consistency. They've converted close to 52% third-down conversions, holding opposing offenses to only 34%, forcing turnovers in the back end. I don't think it stops this weekend. It might be close for a half, but I love LSU to cover this number Saturday afternoon.
1: And it is just a short spread of three in favor of LSU, who again now controls its own destiny through the SEC West after wins over Ole Miss and Alabama in consecutive games. They have the second best price now, Joe, to win the SEC. No two-loss team, however, which LSU is, have ever made the college football playoff in the eight-year history of the CFP. Joe, how confident are you in LSU to make a run to the SEC title game, potentially knock off Georgia, and give the committee something to think about that first Sunday in December?
3: I'm very confident. I mean, the fact that they're gelling at just the right time, and Jaden Daniels is a confident quarterback, you cannot take that away from the LSU Tigers. And they're running the football. They're getting uh, productivity out of Josh Williams and John Emery, not just in the running game. It's the passing game as well. And here's the thing. Brian Kelly on the road or on a neutral field since the last four years, 21-6 and straight up, you can't turn away from Brian Kelly. He has this team humming right now. They have a very good shot to challenge georgia in the sec championship game
1: they would need that sec title victory but there is a realistic path right now for the bayou Bengals. yes even as a two lost team a huge showdown in the american will show you the odds quickly here tulane just a short one and a half point favorite it is for the battle in the top spot joe and as you know the green wave eight and one against the spread this year as well joe lisi i'll see you in just over an hour on football full circle more tma up next of the nfl regular season starts tonight on a thursday in carolina the second half of this campaign kicks off between the falcons and the panthers but we'll also look at the sunday slate here previewing the second half of this season some might call it the stretch run and how we evaluate this teams these teams at this halfway point we do that all live right here on this thursday on the morning after on sports grid with our good friend harrison sanford you can see him all across the grid all weekend long on in-game live, all access. We get the pregame numbers now as we set you up for your Sunday slate. Harrison, as always, thank you so much for joining us here on TMA.
4: My pleasure, my pleasure. Ready to get to it.
1: Now the biggest elbow that we have to pay attention to this week in the National Football League is the right throwing arm of Josh Allen. Daily updates about his status potentially for a heavyweight showdown on Sunday in Western New York between the 6-2 and Buffalo Bills, remaining the Super Bowl favorites against the seven-in-one Minnesota Vikings. This update coming from our friend Dan Fates, who has come on this show many a time, covering the Buffalo Bills all throughout the season. That Sean McDermott has announced that Josh Allen is day-to-day. There is some optimism he might be able to play, but at this halfway point of the year, might Buffalo take a conservative approach and keep Josh Allen on the sidelines because of some of that uncertainty Harrison we have seen tons of movement for this spread for Sunday between the Bills and the Vikes it opened at seven and a half live right now on FanDuel it is three and a half only in favor of Buffalo Harrison once we know that status for sure for Josh Allen might this spread continue to move even more
4: I would anticipate that it could uh, because Josh Allen is obviously he's Josh Allen. But for me, honestly, I don't know, uh, In term, from a betting standpoint, I don't know how much I'd be uh, willing to invest in this game because of Josh Allen's elbow. We don't know just how much um, they'll be willing here to uh, use him uh, in, in all facets of his game. Obviously, he's still if he's out there, he's going to throw the ball. But how willing will he be to run the ball? What type of like what type of offense will they be running? Will they take consideration to that elbow not try and force it? If they're winning the game, they're one of the most pass-heavy he- pass neutral, uh, pass neutral teams in the NFL. If they're winning the game by 10, 13 points, would they be more inclined to hand off the ball to Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and Naheem Hines, whoever else is in that backfield who barely gets touches? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It, it adds a level of uncertainty that I just wouldn't feel comfortable with. Uh, I would say, though, uh, I would still like the Buffalo Bills to win this game regardless. Um, mm. The reason why the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl favorites, it's not just because of Josh Allen. It's because they have a lot, they have a really good defense as well. And that secondary alone, you probably have three pole bowlers in Trey White, uh, Jordan Poyer, uh, as well as uh, Micah Hyde. So for me, yep. uh, I think they're gonna win this game, especially coming off of that, uh, what must've been a disappointing loss to the Jets. Uh, i could see them winning this game regardless whether he's in or out but from a betting standpoint it's very uncomfortable and i like to be comfortable with my bets
1: certainly so we should always try to be comfortable with a wager that we lay i would say this three and a half point spread right now is an indication josh allen is not going to play it might dip below that key number of three but that would be a right number to jump back in on buffalo in case keenum is a very capable backup at this level. Of course, Case Keenum, who knows the Minnesota Vikings very, very well. And to echo Harrison's point, Buffalo is still the top scoring defense in the National Football League, limiting opponents to less than 15 points per game on average. All of that to keep in mind as we get ready for that showdown. And might Buffalo try to manage Josh Allen and that elbow injury so he is ready for the rest of this second half as well. Some interesting news Harrison not only on Josh Allen's elbow injury but for another quarterback in the NFC. Matthew Stafford as Sean McVay told us yesterday is in the concussion protocol right now for the LA Rams. On the other side as the Rams get ready to take on the Cardinals Kyler Murray is dealing with a hamstring injury that has him listed as day today. So it's only a one and a half point spread right now for the two teams in the NFC West that are below 500 the rams a slight home favorite what's your approach this matchup with quarterback questions on both sides for arizona and la uh
4: that's why i'm happy to do in-game live because uh this is a (laughs) game that i will this is a game that i will be betting on live uh for sure these two injuries to major positions in the quarterback uh has a heavy weight on how i would try to evaluate the game before you know it actually kicks off um, on what's side of the ball with the Rams, obviously the offense has been disappointing so far this year. But there's uh, there seems to be a lot of optimism uh, that they can get back on track, at least in this matchup. Kyron Williams, uh, the rookie out of Notre Dame, uh, it's he practiced yesterday. Sean McVay said uh, that he anticipates that he would be available for this week. He obviously didn't confirm yet, but it's trending towards that. Um, I think he's going to give him a little bit of juice. He might be the one person in that backfield that could actually make somebody miss a tackle, which is obviously important when you have a very bad offensive line. Uh, but then, even if they get him back and they the running game gets a little bit boosted, can we trust how they're thrown, how they throw the ball? Um, Cooper Cup, I know he had that long touchdown catch last week against Tampa Bay, but if you watch it again, he's not. His stride does not seem right uh, at all. Uh, So that would be a concern for me. And the other side of the ball, while the Arizona Cardinals finally ended their first quarter streak of not scoring a touchdown, the offense was still bad last week. If it wasn't for a pick six, that game wasn't close versus Seattle. uh, And they were at home. Uh, I don't, I I don't trust the the Arizona Cardinals one bit um, in this matchup. And also too, with, even with DeAndre Hopkins being there, obviously Jalen Ramsey's there. And you'd imagine that's a matchup Jalen's going to take personally. So now, Um, You're looking at one guy that uh, Kyler likes to target that maybe he can't get the ball to as much. And then the hamstring injury, out of all, if there's one thing that Arizona Cardinals do well, it's play manic panic football at the end of games where Kyler Murray is scrambling around and the defensive line doesn't know what to do, can't get a grip on him. Hamstring injury would seem to be very uh, beneficial to the Rams defense and and would hurt the chances of those type of plays Uh, executing for the Arizona Cardinals. So it's a live bet game for me, for sure. There's just too much uncertainty with major positional players uh, for both teams.
1: And and quarterbacks are always going to move the number more than any other position in the National Football League. This was a three-point spread just two days ago, already down to just a point and a half. And the Rams are struggling to cover numbers even at their healthiest. Two, five, and one ATS this year, not covering by an average margin of more than eight points per game the worst cover margin in all of the league those two teams in the nfc west but the team atop the divisional standings the six and three seattle seahawks harrison as they head to munich for the first ever nfl game in germany they take on tom brady in the tampa bay buccaneers right now harrison the bucks booked as a three point favorite but let's look at those underdogs seattle who has won five of their six games this year outright as an underdog in a very comfortable position Harrison are you starting to believe in Geno Smith and those Seattle Seahawks
4: yeah I'm starting to believe in them I think they uh, they have a lot of pieces that work uh, for them not just now but going into the future I think Kenneth Walker can only get better obviously he has young legs being a rookie uh, but as he continues to develop and pass protection, as it seems as if Geno's trusting him more and more with some of the checkdowns, it looks like he's getting a lot of usage on all the downs, not just the first two. Um, I have a lot of faith in them. And the thing when it comes to me in this matchup as well, um, I know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're top five uh, in sacks. Uh, so Gino's going to have to be on point and he has the legs. I think he has the legs to escape a couple times here and get himself free, especially with uh, the Buccaneers not having Shaq Barrett. The same cannot be said for Tom Brady. Tom Brady, if he's under pressure, he's not. I don't think he's using his legs to get out of it. And the Seattle Seahawks quiet is kept are top five in sacks this year. Uh, so you put those two things together and we already know how bad the offensive line has been for Tom Brady. They got absolutely gifted a win last week um i i it's crazy to think but i I think the seattle seahawks might be the more complete team um and the one weakness uh for the tampa bay buccaneers offensively is the seattle seahawks strength uh and it doesn't seem like leonard fournette or rashad white are gaining any traction in the run game uh so uh, i like the seahawks here i'd take them outright for sure giving me points feels like a gift
1: Absolutely so in a weird new environment in Munich why not look at the money line if you think the Seahawks are capable of covering a short three point spread Harrison both of these teams right now sit atop their divisions Tampa in a tie in the terrible NFC South Seattle alone at six and three in the NFC West and both have the same price to make the postseason minus 250 Harrison as you evaluate the NFL here at the midway point of this season do you believe both the Seahawks and the Buccaneers
4: are playoff teams this season Uh, I believe the Seahawks are for sure Uh, I think they have everything that they need and they seem to be uh, I don't know what Russell Wilson did but (laughs) the way that they're taking jabs at him from Pete Carroll to Tyler Lockett to former players like Richard Sherman it's evident that the chemistry wasn't right when he was there Uh, And obviously, it looks like that's totally changed there with Geno Smith. So um, from a talent standpoint, from a team camaraderie standpoint, I like the Seahawks. And I tell you what, uh, I thought that the Saints had a chance to win that NFC South. I thought they were potentially getting things together. Maybe they still are. Maybe they just ran into a buzzsaw of a defense with the Baltimore Ravens. But I do think the Buccaneers saved their season with that win against the Rams. Uh, yeah. I think it might have given them a new bit of life here because now they still get to play against the saints at home. Um, and the, uh, I, I'm going to have to see it to believe it with Atlanta and Carolina. We saw what happened with Carolina last week got blown out. And I'm just not a believer in Atlanta either, especially with their one dimensional attack, which you assume a team like the Buccaneers can stop defensively. Uh, so uh, I give the Buccaneers the NFC South yeah, for sure. Even though it's, yeah. I, they, they're not impressive as a team. It's just a, the, the division itself is not impressive, but I definitely feel confident about the Seattle Seahawks, especially when you consider how weak the other teams in their division are and how weak the NFC is in general.
1: Both of those prices on Tampa Bay to win the division and to make the playoffs are north of $2 in minus money. But if Tampa's going to get there, they're going to win the NFC South. So it's a slightly better price if you do want to pay it. The Cleveland Browns, as we go back to the AFC, fresh off the bye, they head to South Beach to take on Tua Tungabailoa and the Miami Dolphins. Right now, Harrison, the Finns, a short three-and-a-half-point favorite at home, where in games that Tua has started, the Dolphins are a perfect 6-0 and straight up this year. How do you break down this matchup between Cleveland and Miami?
4: Well, I think it's, oddly enough, I think it comes down to Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. If they can run the, the Cleveland is bottom five uh, in rush defense so far this season, if they're able to rush the ball, which I believe they should, then that will only make the passing game uh, easier. And obviously the passing game is already dynamic enough with Tyreek Hill uh, and Jalen Waddle. So I like that. And then on the Cleveland side, uh, how well will Nick Chubb run the ball? I don't know because the post people have been attacking the secondary. Um, if they can, can just control time of possession, they'll give themselves a chance. I don't think their offense can keep up for as well as Miami's offense runs.
1: The bills remain the favorites in the AFC, although the price works against them slightly. Might Miami have some value down there as you saw at 23 to one. Harrison here's one final play for you that I think will be fun to monitor on in-game live. a principal play under for the Broncos and the Titans because the total's just 36 and a half. that's a big 10 total you need to take the under. Harrison Sanford, you can catch him all across the grid all weekend long. on in-game live all access. We round out the show up next to you on the morning app live on the morning after on this thursday all across the spiz grizz network that's sports grid and sirius xm channel 159 which is the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm i'm ben stevens thank you for joining us here on this thursday the second half of the nfl season kicks off tonight on a thursday in charlotte north carolina between the carolina panthers who host the Atlanta Falcons, right now the Dirty Birds, a slight two and a half point favorite. The total is working its way down for another primetime game. It currently stands at 41 and a half on FanDuel. You heard what I said at the top of this show. I'm never going to disparage a football game. I love all sorts of football. At times, the weirder the better, in my estimation. That's why we love Maction. It's why we love Big Ten football games between Northwestern and Iowa. However, this is not the most exciting Thursday night primetime NFL football game we have seen all year long. So we need something to make it enticing and allow us to give you our best bet. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for an interception prop best bet. It's time for (laughs) bye-bye-bye. On the FanDuel Sportsbook currently, Marcus Mariota is favored to not... Throw an interception. It's minus 170 to the no. Marcus Mariota has thrown a pick in five of the nine games for Atlanta this year. And in fact, two weeks ago, in the same matchup against the Carolina Panthers, a game that went to overtime that Atlanta barely edged out by a field goal, Marcus Mariota threw two interceptions against that Panthers' secondary. Now, Marcus Mariota doesn't throw the football a ton. His passing attempts prop is only 23 and a half tonight. But I think he throws an interception, and it's plus money, so there's the enticing fashion of this Thursday night football game. If they ever give you a rushing yards prop on Mariota as well, I would look at it because he has ran for at least 23 yards and five straight for the Birds, including averaging 42 per game in that five-game stretch for the Falcons. Tomorrow is a football Friday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk about